Here we go, ladies and gents, is another episode of the Wrestling Connection podcast. Thank you very much for joining us here on Sunday on the Day of Rest. However, if you are listening to us on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday, we are equally as grateful because we are here to connect with all of you about the wacky world of professional wrestling right here on the Wrestling Connection podcast. Hello again, everyone. My name is Chris. This is Glenn. Glenn, it's been another week. And you know what? It's a week where we're getting back to the grind, my friend. How are you? I am well. Uh, did I did I mention last week that I've been back in the classroom a little bit? I can't remember. Honestly, they're all running together. I think you've mentioned you've you've yeah. been there once, I think. Yeah. Oh, it's just because you say, you talk about things are slowly starting to open up again and become normal. And um, I've been I've been in a school for a quick visit. And uh, uh, as I speak, next week, I will be going in on the last week of term to do a wee lesson with some wee primary sevens. All. Nice. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's going to be because of safety precautions. It'll be a very small number of kids. It'll be in a very a large space um but it, I, I sometimes can't believe that because of the school closures it's been three months since i've last taught a lesson and i'm starting to think of what what, what if i can't remember how to teach <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what do i do I'm again <laughs> i mean obviously i've been doing online learning but that's nothing compared to being in a classroom so it's just yeah. um I, I, that's that's the kind of normality that's creeping in that I'm looking forward to getting back. But it's also that way, like you and I were talking about this. There, there, there is a wee anxiety about going back to normal. Yeah, and I know I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but certainly for me, we've we've been at this for so long now that I think it's totally valid and legitimate to be really anxious about you know going back out into public on a more regular basis again or being in larger gatherings again. Like that's scary i think and it's perfectly valid to feel a wee bit apprehensive and i know i do as much as it also excites me in equal measure yeah if you're out there and you are hearing our voices right now please know you are not alone if you are feeling anxious or you are feeling nervous or you are feeling stressed about going back to normality whether that be work or whether that be education or whether that be just in a social sense we're all feeling it and we're um we like to we we're just talking about this before we started recording. We like to come here every week for a wee hour or so, chat some wrestling, escape from everything else that's going on around the world, and uh, just catch up with each other and have a wee this this sort of therapeutic session talking about the thing we love almost more than anything, and that is pro wrestling, brother. Absolutely, um, although um I probably should say for the stability of my own household, I do love my wife <laughs> more than wrestling. <laughs> Good call. Uh, yep, <laughs> good save. Um, so another busy week. I'm assuming in terms of watching lots of wrestling, or oh wait, no, you said you were you were busy doing something else. Please inform the listeners. Oh right. So I, I mean, I will touch upon the wrestling I've been watching because I have managed to squeeze a fair bit in. But my my wrestling viewing has been diminished this week because if you listened to the episode a few weeks back we did on wrestling games, you will remember that I am a big time gamer. But the games that I love the most are games with good narrative and good stories. And, you know, when I play wrestling games, I like the story modes of, of the older games. Or I like to project my own narrative onto the exhibition matches you can play. But when I think of storytelling and gaming, there is nothing better, in my view, than the 2013 PS3 classic, The Last of Us. Um, and this week, at time of recording, the second long-awaited uh, game, The Last of Us Part 2, has finally come out. And I now have it. I have it in my hands, Chris. Um, but I'm continuing on with a replay of the original before I start the new one. So uh, I'm having to avoid the internet like wildfire. Um, and just avoid spoilers at all costs. But 
yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot of gaming in my free time over the next couple of weeks, so my wrestling viewing will be slightly diminished. But I've still managed to catch up on uh, catch up on a, a, a lot of wrestling. But before I even touch upon that, I just need to say to you, I know you're not a huge gamer. And I know that horror is one of your least favorite genres of film. <laughs> but this has got that kind of Walking Dead quality of it's not really right. about the gore or the fear as much as the fear is part of it. Like it's, it is much like the those first couple seasons of The Walking Dead where it's a real life human drama with an apocalyptic backdrop. And uh, it's just beautiful. And um, when I say it's one of my favorite stories ever told, the original game this is, um, I mean that, and I mean that across any medium. And I'm somebody who reads books, I watch movies, uh, TV shows, everything, like like we all do. Um, but this is, I think, one of the most profound stories ever told. And that's just my taste and my view. Um, but I think you'd like it. And if you if you don't want to fork out for the original game, then I'd go and watch a Let's Play video with the lights out. Uh, right. <laughs> right see, how, okay. see how you find it. Yeah, well, listen, The Last of Us has been on my radar since it came out. And I actually didn't realize it was so long ago. I didn't even know it was PS3. I thought it was like a PS4 homegrown game, but I didn't realize yeah, it was 2013. It's it was revolutionary. Like it really pushed the limits of the PS3 because when you play the remastered version for PS4 now, which is like the definitive version of it, I mean yeah. the game's pretty much the exact same. It's just a slight graphical upgrade, but it looks gorgeous and it plays so well on the PS4. But I still yeah. feel like it's it's pushing my PS4 to the limit limit that original game because uh it, the fan goes crazy when I'm playing it. So I uh would very much uh recommend playing it. And then, you know, the jury's out for the second one. We'll see We'll see if it meets expectations. All yeah. the reviews are fantastic. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. I really am. One of, one of my mates that I met through YouTube, one of my closest friends actually through there, Luke, who um, has got a great YouTube channel. He's, he's called Razor Wire Reviews on YouTube if you want to check him out. He sent me a message recently and he was like, um, I've got I've got The Last of Us, the original, you know, the first one on Amazon here for eleven ninety nine. He's like, you should buy this. Because I know you're not a big gamer, but you should buy it. And I said, oh, I'm not sure. I've just bought this PS2. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure if I wanted, you know, I don't know how much time. I don't know if I'd play it. And he was like, send me your address. I will buy it for you. <laughs> I was like, don't be daft. Brilliant. Don't be daft. But the fact that you even suggested that made me go, all right, okay. I should probably go and do this. So it's definitely on my radar. Since it's so cheap on Amazon, maybe I'll, maybe I'll pull the trigger soon. Think of it this way. And this might sound like a bizarre comparison, but you know the 2009 Disney Pixar film Up? Oh, yes. You know how everyone says, you know, you can't get through the first 15 minutes of that without crying and bawling like a baby? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the exact same principle applies to uh, to The Last of Us. It's it's heavy, it hits you hard, it's mature and it's profound, but man, I love that story. And uh, like 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 wrestling, it's, you know, it's a time capsule. It takes me back to a certain point in my life when I first consumed it mm. as a text. Uh, and that's certain wrestling matches do that as well. Uh, on that note, you asked me what wrestling I've been watching. So I'll give <laughs> you, you a quick you rundown. Men you mentioned wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned wrestling. This is a, a wrestling <laughs> podcast. I would be yeah. remiss if I didn't actually talk about wrestling to some degree. Dude, like, uh, I've, uh, as usual, I've been combining a bit of old with a bit of contemporary. So my 2002 run is ongoing. Uh, but I just before I even elaborate on that a little bit, I just want to, like, chuck out a few couple of things that i've enjoyed uh from the current products right now that i've enjoyed this week okay on aw two wrestlers i've enjoyed really much over the last couple of weeks are sunny kiss and big swole mm. uh sunny kiss i think he had a match on dark uh the, the week that i'm referring to and yeah he's, he, he's not been on dynamate a lot i'm sure he's on dynamate like an upcoming episode of dynamate but he's not been on dynamate much 
That's right. And he's he's now got this thing going with uh, Joey Janela. Uh, but uh, it's he had a match on Dark, which was really good a week or two ago. And uh, just the, the way the presentation of the character um, was really cool and really intriguing, his movements. And that's what he won his wrestling. I actually can't remember too much about him as a, like a physical wrestler. Yeah. It was the character and the presentation that was so eye-catching and so intriguing. So I really enjoyed him. And I just, uh, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with Big Swole. Um, and, uh, She's great. But the the stuff that she's been doing with Brett Baker has been so fun to watch, and I'm actually only halfway through this week's Dynamite. Uh, but she's had a really hilarious interaction with Brett Baker already, where she hijacks her uh, her wheelchair thing and <laughs> drives away with it. The ro- the role so, model. Um, that's the one, yeah. So uh, that those are on the AW side of things. I've really really been enjoying uh, those two performers in particular. Listen, uh, Brett Baker. I'm sorry. Brett Baker is just is is one of the most entertaining performers in wrestling. Period. I'm sorry, every single week, I love everything she does. I went from be I mentioned this before. I went from being that kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about her, because she was really, really had this bland kind of character. She was this like happy go lucky baby face that you know mm. um, that was winning all the time, and and people were kind of getting to know that. And then AEW were like, all right, you can hear the kind of negativity coming your way. Let's turn her heel, and she's just completely turned it around. And I look forward to her stuff every week. And do you know what? Watching Dynamite this week, I was thinking about the people who I look forward to seeing every week. And I was like, okay, so Britt Baker's one, Moxley, yeah. Matt Hardy, Jericho, Omega, Hangman, um, FTR, the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And I was going through all these people and I was like, it's literally someone in every segment. You know what I mean? Like the whole roster, I look forward to seeing. It's just such a good time, such a solid roster. And I mean, they're only going to grow even more, you know? So um, absolutely, big, big fan of AEW right now. Absolutely. And, and like, I don't want to be that that kind of smarky fan that just, you know, criticizes WWE at every turn. But what I will say is that what you're referring to is something on all layers of the card, something that you look forward to on, on, a, on, a, on a broad level like that, is something which, in my opinion, WWE hasn't had for a very long time. You know, yeah. when I was a little kid in the prime of my wrestling fandom, watching WWF through the 2000s, that card was similar, you know, because you, you looked forward to, like, the opening match might be too cool and Rikishi, you know, and you look forward to seeing them. And then you'd yep. have a tag match. You'd have the Hardys and Edge and Christian, the Dudley Boys. And then you might have a, a mid-card singles match with Jericho, Benoit, like the Radicals. Uh, and then you had the main event, Kurt Angle, The Rock, Steve Austin, uh, you know, Triple H. Uh, so it was, you know, that it was a very dense product in a good way nowadays some would criticize wwe as having an equally dense product but not in a way which rewards you like in the because you know, there's maybe not as much depth to the characters but yeah. we're a positive show and i think there's a lot that wwe have done well and i would be remiss if i didn't mention a, a show that went out a couple of weeks ago now and that would be backlash and i want to just quickly take my hat off to edge and Randy orton you know mm-hmm. what? It's all subjective. Whether or not you want to say that uh, that was the greatest match of all time, like I don't, it wasn't to my taste the greatest match of all time. But I tell you what, it was the greatest Edge versus Randy Morton match of all time, and it was an absolute scorcher. Uh, Mate, and that, I love that match this week. That is that is what pro wrestling is all about. That match. That is it. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, obviously. Ugh. They were never going to have the greatest wrestling match ever. We talked about this before, but like, just fair play to them, man. They just had an absolute screamer. Um, they they took all that pressure. And they took all these, you know, that stuff everyone was saying, and they used it to their advantage. You know, they did the false finishes. They did the chain wrestling. They did the selling. They did the high stakes moves. They did them mm-hmm. um, all the old finishers. You know, yeah, and pulled out something for the finish they hadn't used in years for shock factor. It was so Absolutely. well done. 
It was a 45-minute match. You know, when Edge has... 45 minutes, first time in nine years. I know he had the WrestleMania one, but that's walk and brawl, you know, arguably a lot easier yeah. than this, you know. Um, just such a great job done by both, and I was I was so impressed. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved how there was a story to it. You know, the initial story of Edge being rusty and him and Randy yeah. getting the better of him in the early going. And then, uh, like, as you say, the, the chain wrestling into the brutality and the physical violence. And then, you know, and the, the, the result made perfect sense with Randy winning and because he's on such a hot streak now. Uh, God. And who would have thought I mean, that just, Randy Orton at this, at this point in his career is just hitting his prime and is the hottest absolutely. thing in the roster? And this is the thing, you know, the other thing I've been watching this week is 2002 stuff. And Randy Orton has just been drafted to Raw at this point in October wow. 2002, just before his injury. Uh, and he's he's like a kind of a, a white meat baby face. And he's like beating all the heels quite convincingly every single week. Um, and you're absolutely right. Here I am. We're watching a product now nearly 20 years later. And he's better than he ever has been. He just seems so motivated. And I think we, we need to just give a quick shout out to how... How emotional and how goosebumpy did you feel when the lights dimmed and the MSG microphone came down and we heard the I thing class. one more time? Oh, I was class. That you was know the way like, they were doing all that sort of stuff where they were like reshooting the suplex and the lockup and adding the fan noise and stuff. And at one point I was rolling yeah. my eyes a little bit and I was like, we don't need this. Um, but that moment in particular, I was like, all right, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I have to say the fan noise stuff, I wouldn't do it every night, but oh, I no. actually enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed it. The, it helped me get lost in it a little bit. Right, Sometimes okay. I forgot that it was empty arena. I but I like I can already tell maybe you weren't as big a fan and I know for a fact it really divided opinion online on Twitter and things. No, it definitely wasn't, but I think for one match it was it was fine. Yeah. But, totally. yeah but like the, that's not what made it a great match. It was Edge and Orton and they're they're absolute like skillful storytelling and then elsewhere this week i've been watching this 2002 stuff and there's an episode of raw where randy comes out and beats lance storm pretty quickly and then uh lance storm's partner no less than christian shows up and berates orton and they have an impromptu match so i think what i wow. had just witnessed was the first televised match between randy orton and christian which randy convincingly. I know, the same week where Christian makes his quote-unquote in-ring return and gets his head punted by Randy Orton on Raw in the year 2020. It felt really like a full circle moment. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been quite nice watching the 2002 stuff and to see echoes of it in the current product, like with Randy Orton and Christian as well. Like You know, that's that's really cool just to, to be able to see the growth of somebody. And in the case of Randy mm. Orton, like the improvement in him. Um, but yeah, that, that that's pretty much been me. Uh, there, I've got grand things on the horizon. I've got Katie Vick coming soon. Uh, oh I've yes, got Al Wilson and the Tory acclaimed Don Marie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Al Wilson and Don Marie storyline coming up too. Uh, and uh, there's a, there's a, a few other things, but I'll not touch upon those until I start talking about being thankful. But before I do, like, what's your wrestling viewing been like this week? It's been uh, a lot tamer than the past couple of weeks. I must say, I just have been, I guess I've just been busy again doing other stuff um, in terms of work picking up and, and doing a little bit more of the normality of, you know, being, yeah. <laughs> being sitting here and, and everything being back to normal, you know. Uh, so not been watching as much again, just going through those 2008 pay-per-views. I uh, ended up re-watching all the episodes of the Last Ride series. Um, just mm. before, because I mean, I, I don't like the fact that we're a little bit outdated here, but just before the last episode, there's 
Um, I'm so intrigued. I'm just so intrigued to see what they're going to do and where that's going to go. Because every Undertaker interview he's done on social media since, everyone's saying, right, so you got to tell us. Like, what's what's the story? Are you done? And his answer every single time is, you need to watch episode five and find out. And now I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> so excited. <laughs> So, uh, what, what's yeah. your thoughts on that though I know this will be outdated by the time this episode comes up but it's still a valid discussion Like, objectively I know how I feel about this but is the graveyard match the perfect time to bow out uh, I don't think there ever will be a perfect time for Undertaker to bow out because for someone like Undertaker everything needs to be perfect and you know as you know and as Edge and Orton have proven you know not everything is going to be perfect at all times you know um, mm. however I will say Taker wants that respect and he wants he, and he's earned that respect and he wants that, you know, great performance that gets everybody talking and puts someone over to make them look even better. I would argue that the Boneyard match did all those things. Like it, it got so well received. AJ looked brilliant. It was the main event of WrestleMania. It was something that we all needed as a wrestling community right at the start yeah. of the pandemic. Um it, I mean it's a great way for Taker to go out. However, there was no audience and we couldn't see no. the entrance and we couldn't get that, you know, the poses and the, the greatest hits in the ring. So maybe we need to wait for that. I don't know. I know. I mean, it would be... I, I, I'm, I'm torn because, you know, character-wise, that was a great production. You know, we spoke about that in the first episode. That was your yeah. first ever recommendation for Magic yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, as a fan, well, as a fan, I kind of wish that he chucked it in after End of an Era. Um, but or at least after the punk match, yeah. But I, th- it would be good to see the last big arena match. And what I'd want is is a compromise, something that isn't too demanding for him. But I also don't want it to be what the John Cena match was. As fun as that was, you yeah. Know, you want a wee bit more from a Taker match, you know. So if he's fit and he's healthy, I say put him and AJ back together for a rematch. But you know, a standard match in the ring, and if they can get it done then he needs to go. I think if the Taker and Reigns versus Drew and Shane tag match was at WrestleMania, that would have been perfect. Oh God, yeah. I mean that would and that would have ticked so many boxes because, you know, you've you've got Reigns and Drew getting the rub off the Undertaker. And, yep. and Drew came out of that looking amazing because of his that that moment, that shot of Drew prowling behind Undertaker is Brilliant. something that, you know, is just fantastic. Um, Undertaker was great. It was just the perfect match for him, and he moved so well. And we Looked saw that you know, yeah. talking further that in that last raid episode. And you know, with the with Shane being involved, Shane's really reliable. People, you know, criticize him, but I'm I'm a Shane McMahon guy, yeah, and I think too. he was a great heel at that time. And that was the story uh, and, aspect uh, of that match. You know, Shane brought that story and that kind of like old school kind of factor to that match that we needed. You know, absolutely. So there was really something for everyone in that match because old school fans would have loved to see Undertaker and Shane, and then you've got your more contemporary fans there for for Drew and for Roman. Uh, yeah, that was just a screamer. Uh, you're absolutely right. Had that been a WrestleMania match, maybe that would have been the right time to bow out. Uh, but man, I love that series. That's a series that I'm probably going to rewatch maybe once a year just because of how compelling Absolutely. it is. That's it. It's not even finished yet from when we were watching it. And it's already like my favorite series they've ever done. And it's not just because it's Taker. It's the way it's done. We're talking about it's, it's emotional. It's, you know, it, it's intriguing. There's revealing footage they've been keeping for all these years that we've never seen before. Yeah. You know, we're looking at you know, surgeries and stuff, which humanizes them. It's just the absolute definitive series, docu-series that any wrestling promotion has ever done. Um, and up until this point, the Stone Cold Steve Austin Blu-ray has been my favourite one for those reasons. This has mm, topped yeah. it. So, um, 
yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and I've just loved, I've loved seeing that. Other other things this week, it's been really nice to see New Japan are getting back into operations. Um, okay, they they have been off for a long time. They were one of the, the companies that were really like, oh, what we're going to do, um, because you know, obviously where they're based and stuff, I don't think the virus was too kind to them over there. So no. uh, it was it was kind of nice to see that like you know starting back up again. They are running a few shows with no fans, and then they're inviting a, a, a select few. And for some more stuff, I believe they're doing the New Japan Cup in front of an audience, which is nice to see. I just hope they do it safely. And you see a lot of the audience members anyway in New Japan with the face masks on, regardless um, of the time of year or whatever's going on in the world. So I'm, I'm sure that's going to be, you know, um, implemented a lot more. So if they can do it yeah. safely, that's going to be nice to see, you know, people getting to wrestle some more, some, get some work some more, and for the company to continue to thrive. Because i got to tell you, one of my favorite experiences as a wrestling fan in my whole life was last year, 2019, I was on holiday. I went to Puerto Rico de Gran Canaria and uh, I was sitting by the pool every single day and it was right in the middle of the G1 Climax last year, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, is this sort of intense, rigorous tournament, like a round-robin tournament where there's two groups, there's an A block and a B block and everybody wrestles each other in a point yeah. system. And uh, whoever gets, is the, you know, got the most amount of points by the end of the blocks face each other in the final and it's just this unbelievable tournament it is the most unbelievable over-the-top wrestling tournament you'll ever see and it's so brutal on the guys bodies um because they just put they just have these half an hour matches every day for like two weeks and then that final is always this hour-long masterpiece and it's just a great blow-off and i'd never watched it really intently before i'd seen some of the highlights that you hear like a kenny omega match or an okada match or something I'd, i'd go and watch those ones but in terms of watching it every day, watching the tournament, the individual stories, last year sitting by the pool every day watching that was just one of the best experiences as a wrestling fan. And if anybody's you know new to New Japan, don't know much about New Japan, that's a great way to get into it because it's like you get to learn about the characters and the style of wrestling that you know some of the wrestlers do um, because you get to see them every day and have these different styles of matches with different styles of opponents, you know? So um, that's, that's that was great last year. Um, because I, I am not hugely into New Japan. I've never, I've only ever gone to watch like the occasional match that's become, gotten a real lot of buzz. Yeah. Um, so I think I checked out the first like Jericho Omega match. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's not even got any like homegrown Japanese stars in it. So, um, but you know what's funny about what you're saying there it's not funny but what's i think quite lovely about what you're saying there is that you're describing how you really got into it by watching that tournament uh on holiday and i just think that's another beautiful example of how like certainly this is the case for me and i know it's the case for you wrestling can be a time capsule certain moments take you back to moments in your mm-hmm. life and you'll probably never be able to watch that show without somewhere in your psyche being transported back to that yeah. nice sunny place uh, to that time in your life and that's what makes going back to watch wrestling quite comforting for me at times is that it's not just that you could be watching a fun product even if it's a rubbish wrestling show it could take you back to a nice time in your life like I think about the the Jeff Jarrett China good housekeeping match at No Mercy yeah. in 1999 it's not a great match and it's quite infamous now because it's when Jarrett you know held the title up for money yeah. um 
but that match always takes me back to just and i don't even know why it's a particularly happy memory it just it's just a memory that I, I look back on fondly but just sitting in my mum's house in her living room when i was about 12 because i had it on vhs and watching it and then trying to jump off like the edge of the couch onto some cushions and getting caught by my mum and getting absolutely verbally battered for it as a result yeah. <laughs> um, and so i but I, I smile when i think back on that now so it's, it's not just watching the product it's where it takes me at the same time and uh, that's i think that's just the kind of wrestling fan i am and i get the feeling that you are as well yeah for like sentimental reasons and that sort of thing you know that's why you yeah, like absolutely. certain things and um, but i will t- i will say my 2019 match of the year um, was not Cody versus Dustin like everyone else's was. It wasn't Cole versus Gargano, which everyone else's was. My 2019 match of the year was Okada versus Osprey because I was following the tournament and it, it got to this point where Osprey was was like a um, a protege of Okada. Okada was the current world champion and they were going to face off. They were in the same block in the G1 last year. And it was this big yep. build-up. Like, well, a junior heavyweight has never beaten the heavyweight champion ever. And it was like... Osprey was getting all this momentum and he just won the best of the Super Juniors earlier in the year and Osprey was putting on all this weight to become a heavyweight so it was like he's going to be the one to do it he's going to be the one to beat Okada the fin- finally a junior heavyweight is going to be a main eventer and he had this match and my god the ups and downs of that match the false finishes I'm smiling now mm. thinking about it because um, I, I was such a big Osprey fan at the time and stuff I've not seen him in ages but um, just seeing that match and he was doing like all these finishers and um, these strikes and stuff and it looked as if he was going to win and um, eventually he didn't win and Okada beat him and he was like oh my god I thought he was going to do it and there was like a false finish that made me like jump out off my seat and stuff I was like this is what wrestling's all about and this is what we love about those big high profile main event matches you know um, that make it get us so invested you know um, so right. I'd, I'd highly recommend hopefully they do the G1 this year it's usually around July August sort of time I'm not sure it's um, applicable right now, but New Japan can be quite rational and they decide just to do things at the last minute. So they might end up doing it. So if you see it, check it out. You might uh, fall in love with some of the characters on that show. You mentioned Jeff Jarrett there. Um, yeah. Did you ever see the clip? I don't know if it was in the Rise and Fall of WCW DVD. Um, and I think, who is it? Is it Mike Graham? Eddie Graham? Someone like that. And there's that like infamous clip where he talks about Jeff Jarrett and he goes, Jeff Jarrett, he never drew a dime. And he just starts burying him. You know that clip? I uh, I don't know it. I mean, Eddie Graham sounds like a familiar name to me, but um, no, I'm because I was never huge into WCW and I never watched that documentary. But they just they start berating Jarrett, right? I don't know. I guess because when the, the DVD came out, he was still, you know, in charge of TNA and stuff like that. So I guess he was like the enemy yeah, at the yeah. time, you know? I guess he was the enemy for a long time before he came back and became an agent, but um, <laughs> fired them live really. on him. Yeah. Um, so there's this infamous clip that goes online. Anytime you mention Jeff Jarrett, it's this clip of, it's like a gif of like this guy yeah. on this documentary going, never drew a dime. Uh, so <laughs> when ICW brought Jeff Jarrett in recently, I, th- I guess it was. Yeah, yeah. Was it 2018 or 19? What yeah, he did something at he did something at Fear and Loathing, and then there was another show where he was supposed to wrestle Jackie Polo, but and he, he brought he brought cold. and he brought back Grado or something, did he? Yeah, he did, uh, but he never did get the match with Jackie Polo because WWE wanted him, ah. and so they sent Kushida instead. That's right. Yeah, that was a great match. I remember watching that match. Um, mm. But anyway, Jared was like the guest commissioner one night or whatever, and he comes out and he, it was at the O2 in Glasgow. And we're all That's standing right. there and we're all clapping Jarrett and stuff and he's cutting this promo and there's this guy in front of me just booing him. And I was just <laughs> laughing and I was like, he's booing the, like, Jarrett's the import, he's the guest, you know? Yeah. Like, why, why are you booing him? 
And I was just, I guess the guy caught me laughing at him and he turned around and he goes, I just don't like Jeff Jarrett, man. I just don't like him. And I was like, why? So he goes, honestly, man, you, oh, he never drew a dime. He never drew a dime. And it, and it made me think of that clip, never drew a dime. So then the guy takes out his phone. <laughs> he takes out his phone and goes onto an app where you can like draw stuff with like your finger. So he takes right. out his phone, goes on this app, draws a circle and goes, I just drew more dimes than Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I bet he just did that so somebody would take notice so that he could make that joke to someone. That's what that's what that was all about. I was man. just a sad guy that you know realized that pure obscure reference, you know. Man, I love angry fans at shows when they're not like when they're just they just they're quite contained. Like there's this isn't wrestling related at all, but that that story just reminded me of my brother being at a festival one year when the Who were playing. Uh, but the Who, as a rock band, they, they, they tour with only two original members because the other two are sadly passed on. And I remember my brother telling me that he was at like download or whenever it was, and uh, he was talking to his mates, and he quite loudly said, "Should we just go see something else? Because this is, isn't even really the Who anymore." And this fan turned around with like Who tattoos and Who T-shirts all over him, and just shouted <laughs> right. at my brother, going, "This is the Who. This will always be the Who. So accept that this is the Who." <laughs> there are definitely. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely wrestling fans like that as well uh, and that's yeah. what your Jeff Jarrett guy made me think of so when uh, you see if you're a Star Wars fan and you like The Last Jedi you're not a real fan it's Mate, like I love oh the my last god The Last Jedi is, is in my no The Last Jedi is in my top 5 favourite it's absolutely I love it but you know the way like you're not a real fan if you if you like that film you know yeah. anyway. I'm not saying that those sequel films go well together but I love that film for what it is it's like it's, yeah, it's a good one it's Go watch it, folks, after you've watched some wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm very thankful for The Last Jedi, and I hope you're thankful for something this week too, my friend. I am, but I need to intervene with another segment before I get to that. You know what I'm talking about. Let's do it. It's time for the toilet break. Cue jingle. See you in a second. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> toilet break. Oh, yeah. I am perfection. I am perfection. <laughs> and my headphones are on. I'm back. <laughs> this is the old Dolph Ziggler theme song. Yeah, yeah. I used to sing that when I worked at McDonald's. Oh. Uh, I don't know why. Like, I, I went, like, I worked in, like, uh, you know, I, I I don't know if this is going in the board or not, you can decide. But when I was, like, 18, from the age of 18 to 23, I was a bona fide burger flipper, although I never actually worked in the kitchen. It was more of a uh, clean the tables, the toilets, and talk to the customers. Um and uh, I would sing the old Dolph Ziggler theme a lot. I think because I was playing WWE 12 a lot, and that was the theme that he had in that. I yeah. think I just sang it a hell of a lot. It got stuck in my head, and I don't even really like it as a song, but it's a, it was a real earworm for me at the time. I am perfection. So, yeah, I, like I actually don't know Co- what else to sing. <laughs> I like the Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase theme song uh, when they were priceless. And it would go, yeah, I'm priceless. Dun, 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 dun. But then in this 2008 watch along I'm doing, it's like the previous version of the song. And it's like a sort of more mellow, non-rocky one. And it's just strange. It's, it's you know, different versions of the songs. This is it. And I've in my 2002 viewing, I'm, I'm coming across a lot of stuff that um, I didn't realize theme-wise. We spoke a few weeks ago about how, you know, I didn't realize that Kane used Slow Chemical before he yeah. went off with his injury. And like the hurricane for like two months used his old Gregory kind of Helms theme, which was just this weird kind of like hip hop kind of beat. And it just didn't go well for Hurricane character at all. Uh, yeah. So it was really, it was just bizarre to, 
Uh, and I'm, I'm coming across that kind of stuff a lot or older versions of wrestling theme songs that aren't the version that we know and love the most like you know which one kind of a, perfect, on like, a perfect example of that one is William Regal's Alliance theme you know what I mean dun, 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 no 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 that's, like, that's like the famous one it's like it goes it's yeah. like more high pitched it's like um, how does it go I think I know the one it's like dun, 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 it has that bit in it Ah, yeah, and it's like, hang on a minute, William Regal's theme. We can't sing it. That's just going to sound awful. <laughs> 2001. Let's see. This one. Wait for it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. This one. I love this one. He was that's using it. this at Rebellion 2001, I think. <laughs> And then yeah, it goes dun, 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 dun. I like that one. Anyway, <laughs> we'll have a sing song here on the pod. Are you ready to be thankful? Oh, dude, I'm thankful. Cue the jingle. What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Oh yeah. Uh, this week, uh, I my thankful. Right, I'll say this. I don't. I'm, I'm actually worried you've done this before. <laughs> this is similar. I think. What I'm thinking of is you did one week where you did uh, wrestling music videos and you spoke oh, about yes. the uh, the video package that Ric Flair played out on Raw with the Kid Rock oh, song. Yeah. Remember that one? So mine is similar. Lonely, that's the one. So mine is similar, right? Uh, I am thankful. And see if you have this one. I'm sorry, but I'm also thankful for it. So we're just extending it. Fight me. That's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm thankful for video packages, like build up to the like pre-show packages or yep. the, the packages to a match. Now, um, there's a spectrum of these. There are good and there are bad ones, but the bad ones are flipping hilarious. And I'm going to give you an example of this that I came across this week, and I nearly had to have a, like a, a change of clothes because I was wet myself so much. From <laughs> a change of clothes. <laughs> yeah, full change of clothes. That's how bad it was. Uh, so, But I will just give credit where it's due. This is all about positivity, like like classic video packages that i love such as obviously the wrestlemania 17 opener still gets me emotional still don't makes, get like, me started the, oh the goosebumps and that are just that is i don't think that's ever been topped and that's it's of a particular tone that one of its time as well that i think just it's just it's just brilliant I mean, there's not much else i can say about it if you haven't seen the wrestlemania 17 opener folks try and find a way of watching it obviously it'll be there on the network um but it's probably on YouTube as well. Um, I also love the video package they showed just before the inaugural brawl at Invasion. That mm. is f- so well put together. It's about four minutes long. Uh, and it really, every time I watch it, I know how that show works. I know it inside out. I've seen it so many times. But that still gets me pumped up for that match. Uh, and say what you want about the Invasion. I loved it. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, this video package really, really encapsulated I, I prefer. I, I prefer the Survivor Series one. Uh, for when yeah. I take all when they do the Puddle of Mud song Control uh, and and there's a bit of the song where it goes you and me and it cuts to Rock and Austin it's like oh yes <laughs> <laughs> oh man so uh, but the reason I bring this up is because of the occasionally the unintentionally hilarious video packages that are so of their time so they're not intended to be hilarious at the time they were cut and produced in a way that was supposed to be very edgy and I think very, I think just it was supposed to be contemporary. It was supposed to be a video package of the Zeitgeist Christ. But now when you look at it in 2020, it's just hilarious. Right. Um, 
And what I'm going to refer to is is from an episode of SmackDown in 2002. Um, it's the first SmackDown. It's either the first or the second SmackDown after Unforgiven 2002. I think it's the second one because Stephanie McMahon opens the show by announcing uh, a few matches for that show. So she she announces, I think, um, I think she announces Chris Benoit versus Rey Mysterio. She announces uh, a few other things here and there. But the big thing she announces is the formation of the WWE tag titles, the SmackDown tag belts. Mm. And she holds them up, right? Now, in my mind, in my memory, I remembered that video package as just being fairly conventional. I just could see Stephanie standing in front of some screen saying, tonight on SmackDown, we're going to have these matches. And then these teams are going to compete for these new tag titles. Uh, and that's because it was presented in that way in the video package that they would eventually show at No Mercy 2002 in the finals. However, it wasn't just a straightforward cut of Stephanie talking about what's going to happen in the episode of SmackDown. I'm going to play you just the audio for this two-minute clip now, Chris. And okay. even though you need to really see the video as well to appreciate just how bonkers it is, you can tell from the audio where the unnecessary um, editing has happened and why it seems to be very much of its time and it's not something you see in video packages now. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Hit me. Okay. I'm Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie. Stephanie. McMahon. And you're watching Smackdown. Smack, smack, Smackdown. Down. Tonight, tonight, the most popular show in sports entertainment presents Edge. Edge. After his huge victory last week over Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. And tonight, tonight, Edge, Edge takes on Kurt, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. <laughs> the Undertaker. Dead man walking. The Undertaker has been challenged by Matt Hardy. Matt, Matt Hardy. To a Falls Count Anywhere. Anywhere. Falls Count Anywhere match. And Chris Triplett, <laughs> Benoit, the rabid, rabid Wolverine, will step into the ring tonight. And for the first time anywhere, anywhere, we'll go one-on-one -on -one with Ray, 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 Ray. <laughs> a tournament, a tag team tournament for these WWE tag team titles. The new champions will be crowned at no mercy, no, no mercy. And the first round starts right now. Right now. <laughs> Kurt, 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 Kurt Angle. Kurt, Ray, 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 Mysterio. Kurt, Kurt Angle. The Undertaker. Dead man walking. The Undertaker. Falls count, falls count, falls count. Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Why? Why did you need to do that? Sponsored, sponsored by Mr. Kennedy. Repeating the words. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And so, like that was a that was a thing they did in a lot of video packages. They would yeah. just repeat things over. No chance. No, no chance. No, 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 like, no. For years though. For years, yeah. like all the way back to ninety eight. I can think of one right now. That I watched recently when when Austin. Uh, when Austin gets arrested or something, and he's like, uh, he's like, I'm not through with you, Vince. Through with you, Vince. Not yet, by a long shot, long shot, long shot, long shot, long shot. <laughs> Why? I guess it's just a stylistic thing for his time. Ray, 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 Mysterio, false count anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon, Ray, Ray. Happens Kirk, in, Kirk, that, in that Survivor Series when I take all music video as well. <laughs> I'm damn sick and tired. I'm damn, damn sick and sick and tired. Damn sick and tired of, the <laughs> of all this invasion crap. <laughs> sick and tired. Sick, 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 sick and tired. 
<laughs> oh man what a shame so a shame. i guess i'm trying to say that i'm thankful for wrestling video packages but specifically <laughs> the bonkers ones and the, the way that they were edited in the late 90s and, and early to mid 2000s right Crips? right right <laughs> benoit the rabid wolverine rabid rabid benoit oh man <laughs> Oh my god, one of these weeks we need to do our own intro like that. Hi, 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 I'm Glenn, 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 and I'm Chris, 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 and you're watching, watching, watching the wrestling, wrestling, wrestling connection, connection, connection. You know what? Connection. Not a bad idea because we actually have WWE Hall of Famers who have said our names before, so we could splice that into a video package. Yes, oh my god, this has to happen. I'm not saying it needs to happen by the time this episode goes out, but we need to do this at some point. I'll try to make it for next week. We'll try to get the, the production assistant we have create that for next week. Hi, it's your boy, the coach, the coach, the coach. Then you can go, the coach, the coach. <laughs> Jonathan Coachman. Jonathan Coachman. Make fun, make, 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 make Foley. Totally. Chevo Guerrero. Rather, 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 Then Dino Morales. And I'm again, 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 again. I'm again. Then, then, then wrestling connection. I need a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, and it might need a more toilet break. Hang on. Uh, oh, for you. you. You recommend a match, please, so I can catch them. Cue <laughs> <laughs> next segment. 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 Wrestling. Recommendations. Wrestling. Recommendations. Wrestling. Recommendations. Match of the week. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. We should get Kate to do it. She does the <laughs> she does the segment jingles. Match, oh. match, match of the week. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Ooh. Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, so okay. Uh, my recommendation, my match of the week comes from one of the things that I've been watching this week that I that I didn't mention on purpose. And uh, this week I've been watching Armageddon. That's right, Armageddon, 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 two thousand and eight. <laughs> Chris, Chris, uh, before you go any further, knock knock. Who's there? Armageddon. <laughs> Armageddon who? Armageddon, your cruiserweight title. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that with Spike Dudley? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, hit me with that, hit me. Uh, yeah, so Armageddon 2008, what an interesting show. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do this I'm anymore. Sorry. I'm so sorry. What a silly, what a wacky world that we're all exploded here, ladies and gents. Yeah. I wonder if that was right. Stephanie's idea, just to repeat every word. Word. <laughs> I hope she actually did it like that in the takes. <laughs> Honestly, can I just say, um, go and watch uh, back, go watch the video of it, because they do really weird cuts and they like make a, a screen which is her mouth a thousand times over as she's repeating <laughs> words. So go and watch that. Sorry to go back to my segment. Continue, That's Chris. Right. Armageddon, knock knock, who's there? Armageddon, two thousand and eight is uh, is is what I was watching this week, and it's uh, part of my match of the week. What an interesting show! Uh, and it kicks off with Vladimir Kozlov versus Matt Hardy, um, and, a, and an interesting match. What were your what were your thoughts on Vladimir Kozlov back in the day? Yep. Sorry, yeah, I'm well, sure he was a lovely man, but he just wasn't. <laughs> he had he may have had a, an interesting look to him. But he looked like he was wrestling in his tighty whiteies in his pants for one, uh, yep. and he 
was he sucked the life out of every program he was in. He just didn't have the charisma or the personality, and that's that's it. You know, only a small percentage of people who want to be wrestlers are successful wrestlers, and um, he was successful because he got to WWE and he went to the main event picture, obviously. But he, I just I I think uh, you know credit to him, he accomplished more in wrestling than I ever will. But yeah. um, you know. <laughs> It's, he's, he, he was quite a boring character maybe they could have done something different with him um, but nah, just not, not main event material I think. I hated him when I was younger because I just thought he was so boring and um, I've, it's a lot it happens a lot, right, because you're looking through it with different goggles now, aren't you, like you're, hindsight yeah. 2020, like for example I spoke about Booker T recently, how I hated King Booker, but now you mm. watch back and he's so entertaining, you know Um I just, I just refused to believe that back in the day. So I was thinking maybe Kozlov was the same. You know, maybe he's actually all right. Yeah. Oh, he's awful. He's so bad. It's, it's, it's actually sad. Triple H. I mean, who can have a bad match with Triple H? He's trying to, you know, Triple H is trying his best to do whatever he can with him at the Survivor Series in a way. It's just not good at all. So he starts off this paper here with with Matt Hardy. Yeah. And I remember the best part about Kozlov was his theme song that went, "Yeah, primo stickil boil," and that was his theme song. <laughs> Wait, so Primo sticks a boil. What? Yeah, Primo stick heel boil. I wonder what it actually mean. translated to. Probably something really intimidating. Maybe it's Primo and Epico sell holiday resorts. Um, <laughs> Vladimir Kozlov, he comes out looking all sad and angry to this theme song. It's actually not a bad song when the guitars get into it. And his main move is like a headbutt to the chest and stuff. It's ridiculous. So here's a match with Matt Hardy. That's fine. Um, very interesting show. John Cena versus Chris Jericho is really good. Uh, Batista and Randy Orton have a good main event match. Uh, CM Punk and Rey Mysterio have an Intercontinental Championship Tournament final match, which is awesome. Uh, and I remember that match being kind of spoke about in um, in the past, where this is the match where CM Punk broke Rey Mysterio's nose. Oh my God, how, oh, yeah. how irresponsible of CM Punk. But it's really just a, a timing thing, and it's just it's, you can see it's an accident, but it just looks brutal. Hits him with yeah, the GTS, yeah. and that's the finish of the match. It's not ballet. Um, and uh, the match of the week, though, that I'm going to recommend now is the main event of that show, which was Triple H versus Edge versus Jeffrey Nero Hardy in a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. And this is where Jeff finally won the WWE Championship. And I can't express to you how much it, how much of a buzz it was in 2008 when you're a Jeff Hardy fan and all you want is Jeff to win the title because you know he deserves it. And he's had all these opportunities and he's always lost you know, against Undertaker and he had pay-per-view matches against Triple H and Edge and all these things. He's just never done it. And uh, this was like his last chance. And my God, I can I can remember it so vividly in 2008, watching this show as wee boy Chris just stand. I wasn't even sitting at this point because I wanted to win so much. I was standing in front of the TV. And when he hit that swan turn in the one, two, three, I was jumping, like literally leaping mm. <laughs> in front of the TV. A bit like uh, when Drew won the Royal Rumble this year. I must admit that was the yeah. last time I've jumped at the TV. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it, was, it was just a beautiful moment. And this, this moment just holds up. Such a good triple threat match. Hearing JR going mental, um, the quote is, Jeff Hardy has realised the dream of a lifetime and it's just Jim Ross at his best, do you know what I mean? It's just like oh, yeah. coming up with these sound bites that just live on forever and um, Jeff just, you can see how much it means to him and stuff and he beats Triple H and Edge, two bona fide main eventers at this point, the crowd are going mental, uh, no more words plays the whole way through, such a great moment, so really I'm recommending this match for the moment, but it's equally as good for the match as well because it's such a good triple threat match. There's like an announce table spot and there's lots of like false finishes. Yeah. And it's one of those ones where you think Jeff is going to win 
and every time he goes to do something that could lead to the finish, he gets interrupted. Like he goes for the swanton and Triple H knocks him off the top rope, or he goes for the pin and Vladimir Kozlov comes down and um, pulls the referee out or something like that. You know, it's like uh, these sort of like prolonged moments where you think this is it, and then it's not, and it just make you wait even longer. And it's just um, such a beautiful moment, and it's one of my favorite pay per view moments ever. I'd probably say. And I'd highly recommend checking out this week. That's an excellent recommendation. I, I fondly remember that moment. I mean, I actually didn't get to watch that show live, but I remember, you know, still, like you described, I was a bit older, I was 17, but I was a huge Jeff Hardy fan, still am. And I remembered the thrill of logging on to WWE.com the next morning. And it not only was it delighted, but it really surprised me. And I'll tell you why, like, I just had kind of accepted that Jeff was never going to do it. By that point, I just didn't think they would, because I was still a bit smarky, so I didn't think they'd ever put the belt on him. So like, oh, Vince doesn't, Vince likes the big muscly guys, and all that kind of yep. smarky attitude. Because I genuinely thought that if there was a time to do it, it was, you know, earlier on that year when he was feeding for Andy Orton at the Royal Rumble. Yep. You know, he was so hot at that point, and, you know, he was getting the biggest pops of anyone. I remember being at a Brayhead Arena show in 2007, uh, in November 2007, so just, just as the feud with Randy was starting. And, uh, you know, the, the main event was Randy Orton and Umaga versus Jeff Hardy and Triple H. And so Triple H was the guy who got the final entrance, who got the big, the big, he was the, you know, the, the big challenger. You know, he was supposed to be the one that you were most excited for. He was the top baby, baby face in Raw. Yeah. Um, but Jeff, who came out before him and was the Intercontinental Champion that time, got the biggest pop of the night. Uh, I also met Jeff that day, and that's another embarrassing story for another time. Uh, but, <laughs> another um, embarrassing story. Yep, uh, but yeah. So I, I, when 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 Jeff didn't win the title of Royal Rumble, I was so gutted, and I just thought, oh well, screw this. They're never going to give him it. And so to see he actually got it for me, that really came out of the blue because I had, you know, it could have gone to Edge, it could have gone to Triple H, but I never my wildest of dreams would have told you that uh, Jeff would win the title that night. Excellent match and an excellent moment, but not to take anything away from the great match, but to your point, what I remember the most is is the the celebration afterwards. I remember yeah. the music playing, JR's call, Jeff climbing the Tron or the staging uh, for the celebration. Uh, so a, a lovely moment. And wrestling is, isn't just about your five-star classics. It's, it's about the moments. It's the memories. You remember WrestleMania 33 for the Hardy Boys returning more than any particular match. You know what I mean? You, you remember yeah. that entrance. Uh, so sometimes the moments are just as important. What would you say is your favourite... We've kind of talked about this before. What would you say is your favourite triple threat match in WWE history? That is that is tricky. I, I love a triple threat match. I've done right. I mean, I've always yeah, liked... Kurt Angle and uh, Rock and Triple H. Uh, I like the DX and John Cena one, but I, I, do you know, to be honest, it's probably it's probably Charlotte, Becky, and Sasha at WrestleMania oh, 32. Oh, good shout! Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, with and you know maybe for a long time I probably would have said WrestleMania 20 with Triple H, Sean, and Benoit, but yep. yeah, I still am a bit funny about Benoit matches. You know, I still watch them on my pay per view run, but I never seek one out specifically. So, um, you know, so that was a great match. Um, that was my first introduction to really how good a triple threat match could be. Yeah. But certainly I think the 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 women's championship match at WrestleMania 32 stole the show that night. And yeah, it's probably the, the one that sticks out most fondly. What about you? I'd, I'd probably say the Benoit, Triple H and Michaels one. I'd probably say so. I guess because mm-hmm. um, I have fond memories of it when I was younger, I guess, like before all the tragedy and stuff. And I just yeah. found it difficult to forget about those memories. But um, I totally know what you mean. It, it is a bit uncomfortable, especially with like the celebrations and stuff after. But just that moment with Eddie, 
is it just makes it for me. Um, I don't know. I guess probably that one, and of course, Angle, Rock, and Taker from Vengeance or two. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. my problem with that one was that, like, as soon as it happened, they didn't stop telling you that it was the greatest triple threat match ever, you know? Um, yeah. Which is fine, because it may have been, but just to get mention it. But then, of course, you mentioned well, probably the top three there. Around the Orton, Sorry, yeah, that's true. <laughs> get mentioned that as well, if you didn't know. Uh, yeah. But then, of course, yeah, the, the Becky, Charlotte, and Sasha one at 30. I totally forgot about that one. That's a great show. I think that was my 2016 match of the year, actually. Um, just yeah. not necessarily because of the in-ring but because you know what it meant and it was like the first time at a Wrestlemania that women could showcase something so spectacular like that match and um, the entrances and stuff I don't know um, I love that match we've talked about that one before as well so I think triple threat matches are, are, a, are, a, are, a, are a art that you can kind of master um, and as you say when done right you know they can be really special but mm. there's loads of triple threat matches that happen and sometimes there, you know maybe one or two things are missing but um, this this one here at Armageddon away is a good one so um, if you're looking for something to watch this week maybe check that one out um, very good well, you know Chris we... when I first when I first I just wanted to say when I first saw that match I was nothing more than a young buck <laughs> oh they like choked in my water oh my god <laughs> what a beautiful segue because so was I <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll move into our final segment of the night, of the day, and that is Meet a Wrestler. Here we go. Meet a wrestler, we've met a wrestler in the flesh. Oh yeah. Okay, so uh, quickly before we go into this, I just want to say that um, Glenn and I were thinking about maybe trying to get some questions sent in from the listeners. So if any of you are out there that are interested in knowing anything about Glenn and I, in terms of our wrestling tastes, in terms of personal stories, in terms of anything like that, give us a shout on social media, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at WrestleConnect1, and Instagram is at WrestleConnection. Um, so give us a follow on there and a message on there if you have any questions, and we will answer them in a wee sort of Q&A session every episode here on the Wrestling Connect. Does that sound fun? Yes, yes, it does. Uh, no, seriously, like uh, we've we've had contact from people who listen uh, here and there, yeah, from, and you know, from on our different platforms, and it's always really lovely uh, to to hear from someone, and and sometimes it's come from people in different parts of the world, which is really cool as well. Yeah, because really we're just cool. a wee a wee podcast, you know, and so it's it's nice to think that you know that it isn't just our friends and family, <laughs> you know, that listen to it. <laughs> uh, Although that is a large chunk of our listenership, so listen, we would we would be honoured. Get in touch, and uh, we will definitely we'll read everything that comes in. So uh, and and talk about it, no doubt. So please do get in touch. It would make our day. Why not? I'll pay you. Please, do it. please, please, please write in. <laughs> if you do, you can come on the show and everything. You can take my spot. Okay. So uh, in terms of this week's meet a wrestler, we were talking about what to tell and um there's one in mind that we keep going back to that involves us both but i want to save that one because i feel like that's a really good one and we yeah, can probably yeah. go long form with that one so if we're like struggling for stuff to talk about which is going to be never but you know what i mean just in case <laughs> um we'll keep that one in the back burner but i was thinking about this one because i'm you know um on facebook and stuff it's beautiful that you get these sort of memories every kind of day you get like a, what, what did you do on this day and you know history or whatever mm. and you can see like pictures that have been posted or pictures you've been tagged in and stuff like that and recently there was a lot of ones that came up involving um, an event that I was doing when I was in drama school and I was doing a show um, that came back to me and I was like, oh, that's that's around the same time that I met the Young Bucks and I met, you know, all these, re- I didn't meet any more wrestlers, but I went to see this show and it was for a Ring of Honor show. And I thought, okay, I'm going to tell this story on the, on the podcast. And it's, it's one of my favorite 
wrestling experiences and it's one of my favourite wrestling, you know, stories to tell. So if I'm going too long and if I'm rambling and if I'm, you know, taking ages or whatever, please interrupt me. Please stop me. Um, please really ask questions. But... <laughs> no, no, seriously though. I, oh, no, I, I'll, I'll ask questions for sure. But I'm, I'm, I love your stories and, and this is one... Like obviously, like Chris and I have been friends for the the better part of eight years now, which is mental to think. Yep. Uh, and but you know, there's a lot of these stories that I don't know the details of. So like you know, to go back to a few weeks ago, I knew that you'd met Piper, but I had no yep. idea that how lovely a story it was. And it was that's probably my favorite story that's been told in the show was your story of meeting Piper. Um, and so like this one, I I know that you've met the Bucks because I've seen a picture. But I don't know anything about the build-up, what it was like, what they were like. I can have a good sense of what they would have been like. But, yeah. you know, the, the, I'm really interested to hear this one. I've been looking forward to this. Okay, excellent. I'll, um, I'll, 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 in, what's the word? I'll indulge you? Is that the word? Mm. I'll indulge you? I don't know. You'll I'll tell you. will indulge me. Yeah, I'll get a dictionary. No, 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 just go on. <laughs> Here we go. Don't, don't, uh, don't let anybody know that I'm an English teacher. <laughs> I don't know anything. Um, so, <clears throat> as wrestling fans, we all kind of have like wrestling bucket lists, don't we? Like, we all have like these things that we want to say we want to do, and there's lots of things that are very, you know, achievable, and there's other things that may be a bit more far fetched, you know. Um, mm. I don't know if you've ever thought this, but on my wrestling bucket list is is that I want to go to like all these different types of shows from different promotions, you know. Yeah. It's been great to see WWE over the years, but it's sometimes even cooler to see different companies, you know. And now that AEW is in existence right at the top of my list right now is i got to go to an AEW show. And that's probably yeah. going to be doable because, you know, they've got a big following here in the UK. A lot of their viewership actually is from the UK because of how yeah. big of a channel they're on over here. Um, you just you just know if they play, if they do play the Hydro, one, they have to do TV there. Uh, and two, like, you know it's going to sell out. Like, that that will be a great visual for the show. Yeah. The Hydro will be packed. I can't wait for that day because I can guarantee you, man, like, I'm there. Yeah, that's that's gonna happen. Yeah, it'll, well, who knows when it'll be, but yeah, it's gonna happen. I can't wait. Well, before the pandemic, Fighter Fest was supposed to be at the O2, um, and really, yeah, the main event in London was going to be Moxley versus Cage, um, and of course, obviously, that's I guess not before the pandemic. I guess Cage might not have been signed yet, but like what they were saying is, if things are back to normal by Fighter Fest, we'll do the UK tour, you know, um, mm. and obviously that's not going to be the case, and we're still going to get Moxley and Cage on TV, which is great, but it would have been really cool to see that, you know. And I, I did think about, I yeah. said to my mates before, I was like. If AEW go to London or something, would would we travel down and see it? Because it might be a pay per view or something, you know. And uh, yeah. we we, talk, we definitely talked about it, but of course that never that was never to be. But hopefully they do Glasgow. There's more of a chance they'll do London than it is Glasgow. But um, I definitely yeah, that's, you, that's definitely the top of my list anyway. You think they'd at least maybe run some live events for the UK? So yeah. even if they do a big TV or a pay per view down in in London, that they come and do a show here because I, I would be there. But I, I'm with you there. I would be tempted to make the trip for something like that. Yeah. Totally. Um, so another one of those ones that's on my bucket list was going to see like an like an independent wrestling show. Now we can do that over here in the UK. We can we've got our UK indies and stuff. But yeah. I don't care what anybody says. There's a total difference between British, you know, UK wrestling, independent wrestling, and American independent wrestling. It's just a different sort of lifestyle. It's just a different you know vibe about it. And it just is. It's like walking around the town in America is different than walking around the town here. You know, it's just this, mm -hmm. a different vibe. You know. So I wanted to go see an American independent show because there's all this sort of buzz about it and stuff and like all the reputation of throwing the streamers and the mad funny chants and slapping the barricades and stuff like that. It just seemed like a, this big buzz, you know? And ever yeah. since 2009, when I first discovered ROH and I first started watching it, 
it was always like, oh my God, just imagine being there, feeling that atmosphere, because you can hear it when you watch the show, especially back in the day. Not so much now, because all their stars are signed to either NXT or AEW, you know? Um, yeah. But around this time in 2018 is what I'm going to be talking about here. Um, ROH was still doing really well. They had that kind of partnership with New Japan. Um, so they had the Bucks and they had Cody Rhodes and they had Hangman Page and a lot of the New Japan guys would come in. So it was definitely, in 2018, this is pre-AW, remember, so like independent wrestling was so big at the time and it was the time where like the Bucks made six figures in one year just being independent wrestlers. They really, really changed the whole business, you know? Yeah, um, yeah proving do. you don't have to go to WWE and I feel like they don't get the credit they deserve for that because they really yes they sparked AEW but they really changed the perception of what wrestling could be you know um, do you know what you're absolutely right about that <clears throat> they don't you, they're, they're obviously they're big stars now and they're an absolute staple of AEW uh, and instrumental to the formation of AEW but yeah I still don't think they are I still don't think they, they get the credit for that you're right and I'd never thought about that until you just said that it's just, um, you hear a lot of people, you know, who have changed the business and made a real impact, you know, and yes, Jericho is, you know, a massive part of AEW, you know, because of, of his name and, and Moxley and Jim Ross, but really like the, the foundation is the Bucks, Cody and Omega, you know, because yeah, they're the ones that the changed everything. From. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so around this time, the Bucks had started being the elite, their YouTube show. And I think it was it reached episode 100 or something. I don't know. It was, it was something, maybe not 100, but it, it was picking up a lot of momentum. They were getting millions of views every week. It was just, and that was the time where, um, like, they just recently invaded, quote unquote, Raw, where they showed up to the car park and Cody Rhodes <laughs> did the Independence Day speech on on top of a car. And WWE felt annoyed yeah. enough to give them a cease and desist. It's like, what? <laughs> really? But that, that also... Was that, that was around the time they weren't allowed to do the too sweet either. Can't do the too sweet. No, you can't because that's a WWE thing to do with your hands, you know? That's mental. That's, you can't enforce that. That's. But like that, that was all part of it. Like that, I kind of made them cooler. You know, you wanted to be a, a Bucks fan or an independent wrestling fan, you know, because of that, you know, it added to it. And you wanted their merchandise and they came out with the Funko Pops and stuff and they, their t-shirts were just the most... Everybody was wearing Young Bucks t-shirts and Bullet Club t-shirts and stuff like that. They were just oh, so yeah. much buzz, you know? So that wasn't the main reason why I wanted to go, but um, I, I knew they were going to be there. So when it was announced that ROH weren't just doing a show in London, they were doing a show in Edinburgh, I was like, God, I'm so there. Um, yeah. I was like, and the tickets were so cheap and we were third row. First and second row were like double the price, but third row was like the normal admission. So I was like, my God, that's a no-brainer. So it was it was nice. I, I spoke to my friend Francis. I said, we have to go. We have to, uh, we have to go and sit third row. And it was beautiful. We had, we had such a good time. But the story that we're going to talk about here is is, is meeting the Young Bucks. And uh, I want to take you back to a couple of days before this day. So this was on the 24th of May, 2018, okay. right? Now, I know that date off by heart because on the twenty on the 18th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd, and 23rd, I was in a play. And uh, the okay. play was called The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. And it was this um it was like a retake on Judas turning on Jesus in the Bible. And what would happen right. if this story was taken to court? And it was a courtroom where Judas was being convicted for turning on Jesus, right? So the whole thing was a courtroom drama, and I was playing the bailiff of the courtroom. So my job was to sit there and like not react to anything. And I had a few wee funny lines and that sort of thing for the whole show. And then at the mm -hmm. end of the show, Judas, who was like a broken down character at that point, was all curled up into a ball. And I would take my chair and I'd walk right in the middle of the stage. I'd put the chair down. I sat down and it was just me on the stage. And it was like this 15 minute monologue. And it was just me the whole time for 15 minutes just yeah. straight. This big monologue. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. 
but still to this day, it's one of my favourite plays I've ever done, one of my favourite performances, um, just for that reason, because I knew how hard it was and I tackled it well. I thought I pulled it off quite well and stuff. I got such a good response. All my family were there and stuff like that. It was really cool. So that was the play. And on the closing night, which was the 23rd of May, uh, my mate who I talked about, Francis, he, he was like, I'm going to come on, you know, on the 23rd. I was like, great, that's closing night. So he comes, you know, and, and I do the I do the play and I do this the speech and the scene and stuff like that. And I see him after and I was like, right, we're going for the after party. So one of my favorite parts about doing a show is going out for, you know, the after party afterwards, because it's just, it's not like your usual night out, in my opinion. It's like the sort of relief. It's like the celebration you know, everyone's kind of on top of the world. We're all buying each other drinks and stuff like that. And it's just it's such a good night, you know. Um, it's just a good vibe having an after-show party. So uh, this is on the 23rd. We'd done the show. We went out, went to a club in Glasgow. Um, yeah. I, my mate Francis was there. So we came in and we were kind of chatting to all my kind of actor pals and my... Um, yeah. just all, So it was like different worlds kind of mixing together. And it was just such a good night. And it was such a buzz. And um, we were particularly merry. Yeah, go on. Sorry, can I just interject with a quick question? Yeah. You mentioned your actor pals. How do you know they're really your friends? If, <laughs> That's they a could good just point. be acting. That's know? a good point, yeah. Being up and down the roads, brother. Up and down the roads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, good point. Yeah, I, I guess I have to reevaluate my situation. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just cool, like different worlds mixing, you know, and it was just it's such a, a nice night. Um, but we were particularly merry this night because the whole night we were going through having these drinks and we were like, kept pointing to each other being tomorrow. We're going to ROH. It's going to be so exciting. And uh, like tomorrow, <laughs> we're going to get to see Cody Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big drinker, but like after show parties are different because it's more of a relief, yeah. you know. Um, it's more fun than anything. I don't really need to worry about that. And um, we just had such a good night, and we kept going back to it. Kept going up tomorrow. <laughs> we're going to ROH. So. A couple of weeks prior when I was booking the tickets, um, I, I printed the tickets out and I put them in my drawer under my laptop and I was like, I need to remember to take these. And um, That was fine. A couple of weeks later, we went to the, the, the show and then I did the after party and then we went home, we went to bed and that sort of thing. Woke up the next day and we were both pretty hungover. And uh, we slept in a little bit. We had to get a train because we're going through to Edinburgh. The train was about 45 minutes. Um, so we knew we had to catch the right one or we would be late for the show and that sort of thing. So so we slept in a little bit and it was a bit of a mad rush. So I just got up and I was like, oh God, I'm going to be late for the train. And I had a shower and got put a Bullet Club top on and that was it. And grabbed my wallet and my phone and my keys and ran for the train, got the train. That was fine. So we're sitting on the train and we're just talking about it and we're making our plans and stuff. And we're talking about video games. We may be talking yeah. about The Last of Us, who knows? And uh, so. there was this guy who was sitting behind me on the train and he just kept laughing every time we would laugh and mm-hmm. it was weird they just they just kept laughing i just thought maybe it was just coincidence or whatever but we were like mid-sentence and this guy just stands up in his seat and just comes and joins in the conversation <laughs> and we were like wow we have no idea who he was um we've encountered that a few times actually at wrestling shows remember <laughs> yeah we've made some weird friends inside the road you know uh the I think there was somebody at the Bischoff show that we'll talk about in weeks to come. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's funny, but talk about wrestling connecting us, you know, you, you yeah. get a chance to people that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily do so with. And that, that that's, it's a beautiful thing. Everybody means well, don't they? That, totally. Listen, I, I don't want to judge, but it's just, we're on the train. We're going to know where to go, you know, um, but it just, yeah. it just joined in the conversations. That was funny. I, I was speaking to Francis about it earlier today and I was texting him trying to recall some facts about the story and, I was like, what were we even talking about? What did he say? 
And he was like, yeah. I don't know. I think he just like joined in the conversation about games and stuff. So whatever, that's fine. So we get to Edinburgh. We went to visit our pal Sal. Um, we went to see his, his flat. We realized that Sal wasn't the inn. So that was a, mm. <laughs> that was a disaster. We went oh, to McDonald's and um, we went to Asda and we were just like kind of chilling, having a good day, catching up and talking about, you know, the show that I was just in and we were kind of reflecting. He was giving me a critique of my performance and that sort of thing, which is nice. And uh, we were walking down the street and I was just thinking like of those differences between a, a UK indie show and an American indie show. And I was like, it's going to be so nice to actually have a seat, you know, because when we yeah. go to ICW, you know, we're st- standing all the time, which is great because you feel more involved. But sometimes, you know, your back gets sore, your legs get sore. Sometimes I can take away from the main event because you've been standing for three hours, you know. Yeah, dude, um, I, I mean, I'm 29 now. I'm getting old. And uh, I, I'm aware now that in the last year or two, ICW now do have a seated portion, even when they do, mm. do like the garage. Uh, and so I've long been, I've not been to an ICW show since the Lionheart tribute. But if I ever go back to one, uh, which I will, I am, I am, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, I'm definitely getting seats if I can. I'm thinking I think about they it. Yeah. First, because a lot of the fans, like me, who've been fans of ICW for many years, are at an age now, a certain delicate age, where we, <laughs> we, we can't really stand up for too long. It's the same thing for concerts. You know, I went Listen, to absolutely. Uh, I went to Black Sabbath concert in 2017, so I would have been 26 at the time, and I had a great time. It was Black Sabbath, a legendary metal band. But I remember turning to my brother and to Robert afterwards and saying, I am never standing up at a concert ever again. And sure enough, like, uh, like with hardly any exceptions, uh, you know, since then I've, I've, I've seen, you know, Paul McCartney and Paul Simon and Blink-182 and I sit down at every single show and I love it. I definitely, in terms of ICW, I think that's the way forward, especially if they do another big venue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we could maybe do a seating thing. But I don't know. It's just, listen, I'm, I'm only 22 and I'm still... I'm still feeling the pain sometimes. Oh, you're just a um, baby. Shut up. So, uh, yeah, so I was just thinking, it's so nice that, you know, we've actually bought a ticket to to get a seat, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just kind of stopped dead in my tracks and slapped my forehead and my jaw hit the floor. And I was like, yes, I have a seat, but do I have the tickets? Oh, Chris Moffat, don't, no, no. So to reflect... You've never told me this. I was in a show. Play went well. Went for drinks afterwards. Got a little bit tipsy. Went home. Hung over. Slept in. Almost missed the train. Left in a frantic panic. Just grabbed the phone, wallet and keys. Didn't even think about the tickets. (laughs) So it's not just like if if I was to go to like, um, say it's in the town, right? It's not as if I can be there and back in 20 minutes. We're now in Edinburgh, right? The train... Would be about an hour there and back. I yeah. need to come home from the train station, get the tickets. Go. It was it was in the middle of the week as well, so it's not as if like people were in to give me a lift and stuff like that. Nope. So now I'm just like, we have came all the way to Edinburgh, and this is like the thought of meeting the Bucks and stuff hasn't even crossed my mind yet. By the way, we're just, we're all we know is we're going to the show, you know, um, and we don't have the tickets. So I was just like, oh my god, I've ruined this whole day because I was silly and drank last night. It's another reason why I don't like drinking too much because it really messes up my psyche. So yeah, so I'd forgotten the tickets, gutted. So now I'm thinking to myself, we, how are we going to do this? But then obviously I looked on my e- emails on my phone and I realised we had the receipt on on my phone. So I was like, God, look, I've got the receipt, there's like a barcode on there. Like yeah. I'm hoping that it's going to be it, do you know what I mean? Because I can't go home and get the tickets, do you know? Uh, 
So I'm just like, and Francis is trying to like really help me here, and he's like, "Don't worry, I mean, the guy will, the guy will really understand if you forgot the tickets, as long as you get the thing on your phone and stuff." And I was like, "No, they won't. Yeah, no, yeah. they won't. No, they won't." Oh no, but he's right. He's right. They're good for that. So I walk. So we go through the thing, right? I'm so nervous because I've got this thing. It might be like I'm trying to scam them, but the reality of I actually have tickets. I just don't have them on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So we go in and uh, I give the, the phone to the guy and he's got the scan on. It's like going to the hydro, like where he'd scan the phone and that's fine, right? I was like, oh, thank God. But of course it's beep, 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 not working. And I was like, oh my God, of course it's not working. So the guy, so it's not scanning and the guy's like, um, oh, I might need to get the physical tickets. So I'm like pretending like I've, I've forgotten them. And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't find them. I can't find them. And he goes, Oh, it's okay. I believe you. And just let us in. Wow. He just let us in. I could have been, I could have walked off the street and just been like, I don't have tickets. Uh, I'm sorry. I and he goes, it's okay. I believe you. And just let us in. So that was crazy. I'm so grateful that particular guy was working that particular day because I wouldn't have got in oh, otherwise. Could you imagine? God almighty. Right, so- that's, that's something else, man. <clears throat> but you know, there is, there is a, there's a YouTube wrestling vlogger. Uh, not you, Chris, but there's a guy who had a one of my favorite wrestling vlogs I've ever seen. Who he's like English, and he was, or maybe he's American actually, but he's he was flying out to a New Japan show in Japan, and uh, he got there and he actually had f- forgotten the tickets. But in New Japan, like they don't even have any kind of digital ticketing; it's all physical. So right. the only way they could get around it was to fly their mate to Japan and bring the tickets and buy a ticket for their mate as well. Um, oh my god! So they, they they paid to fly fly somebody to Japan because you think about it, that would have cost them a fortune. But you know they would have wasted their entire trip to Japan for the purposes of one show. So it could have been yeah. far worse, mate. But that's that's unreal luck that you had such a trusting security guy. There, he just went, you know, I, I believe you, and just stood, stood aside. Just, but I walked so quickly through that door. I was like, I'm going in. I'm not leaving till the show's over because I'm not risking it. You know. Yeah. I just Absolutely. felt so guilty because I had the, the order number and the barcode and stuff. I had my ticket on my phone, but I wanted the physical thing, you know, to, yeah. to say, look, here is my ticket, you know, whatever. So we get in eventually, fine. And uh, after that, I kind of just took this big deep breath and I was like, oh, thank God for that. Big sigh of relief. And there was like this table there on this guy who was selling meet and greet tickets. And uh, yeah. it was interesting because it was they were all like individually laid out and it was like an individual style of ticket. It was like a different color for each performer. Um, oh, so cool. like the young young bucks tickets were pink, and then Cody tickets were yellow, and then whoever you know. So, but I didn't really take much note of that at first. I was just so happy to be in. So I walked past and stuff like that, and then um, we're all standing there. And then like we're in the foyer bit. We kind of went to the merch stand. The merch stand was amazing because you know, like WWE, it's all like kind of like the same sort of t-shirts that you expect. You know, yeah. And um, yeah. these ones, you know, it's not as if you can go and you know, go to HMV and find all these ROH DVDs, you know? It was like real kind of rare, only online merchandise that was on sale, you know? So that was yeah. really cool. All the different variations of the Bullet Club tops and all the Young Bucks tops and all the Cody Rhodes tops and stuff. It was just a really cool selection. Francis actually bought the American Nightmare t-shirt that he still wears to this day. Um, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. top. Um, so we're looking about and stuff like that. And then it was almost like this sort of like the sea chain of kind of parting. Like all these, like all the fans just kind of parted to one side and I'm always like just following on and I just kind of go and stand next to the bar or whatever and like all the security comes down like the middle of the foyer and here yeah. come the whole roster just walking out right they've all got like a security guard each um, there's no barricades nothing like that they all just come out and they all go and stand behind their own individual tables and this is them coming out for the meet and greet but it's not like 
you go backstage and you go in like this. Like it's just it's just there in the foyer next to the bar in the merch stand. They're all yeah. just there at individual tables. Um so I was like, my God, and I remember um Emma walking past me. You know Emma of WWE, Tanil Dashwood. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. walked past me and I remember she just smelled so good, man. She smelled so nice. <laughs> and she was wearing so much makeup, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, that's Emma just sitting there. She she walks past and Jay Lethal walks past, who I just thought was one of the most underrated wrestlers ever. I can't believe no one signed him um to WWE yeah, that, and AEW. That, that blows my mind because he he's shown consistently that he can do everything. He can have a great match, he can do serious stuff, he can do comedy. Like he is the whole package. It's funny that he's not really had that WWE run that yeah. he should have had. Um the the Kingdom came out, which was Matt Taven. He was like the TV champion at the time and stuff. Um and then Tanahashi walks out, you know, the New Japan legend. And at yeah. this point, this is 2018, so I'm a wee bit behind them in New Japan. And I was all right, okay, that's, that's cool. Tanahashi's there. But then Cody and Brandy Rhodes walk past me, and Cody, man, in his big suit and his and his blonde hair, and he was just tall, and he's just like a striking figure. And, and Brandy had like broken her arm, I think. She had her arm in a sling. They just walked yeah. right past me, and I was like, oh my God. I was like starstruck because they were so close to me. You know, yeah. He walked right past me, and then here comes the Bucks, and it was the exact same. And uh, Hangman Page came out as well, and I couldn't believe how short Hangman is. Like I, I was, re- I'm so much taller than Hangman. Um, and at the time, you're taller than everyone, mate. I know, I know. Hangman, Hangman is one of those wrestlers who has so much like charisma and personality that you don't realize his actual height is probably maybe shorter than your average male wrestler in yeah. his sort of division i would guess but yeah well what i would say is uh, in 2018 um pre-aw i was not the biggest hangman fan i thought he was he was pretty bland a bit like Britt baker i thought i was, wasn't like yeah. that bored about him and then this whole thing in aw right now man like this tease of him turning on kenny and him being drunk all mm. the time and then when he gets that hot tag he's so explosive i'd put him top five best performers in the world not even joking he's a um, huge fan of hangman he's one of the best um but at the time i didn't i didn't realize that i didn't appreciate it now i'm thinking back i didn't go meet him I was like, oh, God, I wish I'd met a hangman, but whatever. I just wasn't a big fan at the time. So I'm looking at them all, and I'm like, okay, I, I can't pass this up. They're all here, you know. The tickets are right over there. I'm a big fan of being the elite and stuff like that. I need to meet the Bucks, because a big part of being the elite, they was like they would like film the meet and greets and stuff like that, and they would film them. Yeah. You know, they had this reputation of just being great with their fans and stuff, and I was like, they're here. They're right in front of me. I need to meet them. Um. So I walked right over to the guy, and I was like, can I get a ticket for the Bucks, please? And he was like, yep, 25 quid. And I was like, okay, 25 quid. Um, gave me the wee pink ticket or whatever colour it was. And I was I was like, so I just I just go up? And he was like, yeah, yeah, just go. And you know, they'd be like, if it was a WWE sign and there's like all these security guards and it's like one by one, you yeah. go up and stuff like that. They're just standing there at the table, you know? Um, no security in sight, really. I can't really remember. But I was just like, okay. So we go up to them. And uh, that was it. I just walked right up to them. Uh, and I was I was kind of waiting because there was someone in front of me. Obviously, they were doing. They were, I had the biggest queue of anyone, even more than Cody Rhodes. And that was like the reputation they had around that time. Like the show would always be delayed in starting because the Bucks meet and greet hadn't finished yet, you know. And uh, <laughs> they had this long queue, and I was sitting waiting, and I was getting nervous. That kind of feeling we've talked about before about being nervous meeting people, but not yeah. so much. And I, I don't know if it was because I'd been watching being the elite, and like you feel as if you know them. Um. Or it's just because I'd just done this show the night before and my confidence was kind of boosted. I don't know. I just, I, I yeah. felt really good. I was, I was a bit nervous and starstruck, but I just felt a wee bit better about it, you know? Um, So I woke up and uh, I woke up and it was it was really awkward because Matt Jackson 
sticks his hand out to shake my hand and I went straight for Nick first. So I'm, <laughs> I'm shaking Nick Jackson's hand and Matt's just going to stand there like a fucking idiot with his hand just out, <laughs> right? And obviously it's probably like a two-second <laughs> thing, but like it felt really yeah. embarrassing. It um, like a lifetime so, when it happens, doesn't it? Oh, man. And there's so many things in this meeting where it felt like a, li- a lifetime, but it probably just took two things. So that's fine. I'm shaking their hands and stuff like that. And like, they're so overly nice, man. And Matt's like, what eight by 10 you want, man? And I was like, I'll just take the, whatever, just this one. And he, he takes the eight by 10 and he starts signing it and stuff. And Nick's got like, his hands on my shoulders and he's like, what's your name, my friend? And I just went, Chris. And Nick goes, C-H-R-I-S? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they write oh, on the 8x10 to Chris, C-H-R-I-S. And uh, so I, I've actually got a video of this. My mate Francis filmed the whole thing. I'll let you see it. Um, oh, so I've, I've, I've written some of the, the lines that they say. So uh, Nick says, where are you from, my friend? And I'm like, Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick was like, yeah. all right. All right, all right. As if like he knows he's never been to Glasgow in his life. Do you know what I mean? This is the first time in Edinburgh. Yeah. He's like, all yeah, right, I love right, right. House. I love Glasgow. Glasgow, yeah. <laughs> so they're signing the eight by ten and they're kind of like bent over the table, you know, because they're signing the stuff. So it was like I'm just standing there and I'm already so much taller than both of them. So I just felt a bit uncomfortable. Mm. So I kinda of crouched down next to them. And I just said, Oh guys, I I love being the elite. Congrats on all the success and stuff like that. And uh Matt says, Thanks, man. You all caught up? And I just realised I've been busy doing a show. I've not seen the <laughs> latest episode, so now I have a decision to make: Do I tell the truth and disappoint Matt and Nick Jackson, who I've just told them I love their show, and say I've not actually watched this week's episode, or do I lie to the young bucks? So oh, I, I lied to the young bucks. I told them, "Yep, I'll cut up. Yep, 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 I'll cut up. Love, love the last one. Love the last one. That's my favourite one, actually." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they're all laughing and stuff and they're like cool cool and like uh, Matt looks over at Francis film and he's like what are you doing and I just said uh, <laughs> I just said um, my YouTube channel just reached a thousand subscribers so I'm catching up with you <laughs> brilliant and I don't know what I was expecting there but I was just expecting him to laugh or whatever right but honestly, man, both of their faces just lit up because they were, they were like happy for me because like they know the struggle of YouTube. And Matt's like, no way, congratulations. And Nick, like, Nick is like signing the 8x10 and he like stops mid signature and like turns around and looks at me and he's like, for real? That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. And they're like, they're like, tell me how great it is that I've reached a thousand subscribers. And uh, Matt was like, oh, it's hard, man. You got to keep pumping out that content. And oh, and Nick says uh, the the trick is just to keep going. And he kind of like pats my chest, like as if you're, like, you're kind of telling like your pal a secret. Like he kind of taps my chest and goes, "Because if you oh. stab, you're screwed." As if like he's just telling me like hints and tricks and advice on being a YouTuber, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that I I'm far too comfortable. It's like that Sami Zayn quote where he where he says he becomes too comfortable too quick and he just starts talking. I just started talking. And I was like, oh, yeah, see, I've been doing YouTube for a long time, but see, I went to college and in 2015 and I stopped doing the channel and I really yeah. wish I just kept going because I just started talking about my YouTube channel, telling the young bucks I've been to college. And, <laughs> and at that but moment, can, I was just thinking, what am I doing, you know? They, can, they, they must have really appreciated that, though, because they would have clearly seen that, you know, their success is, is no doubt an inspiration to you as a YouTuber. So it's, mm. you know, it's... Uh, I just love that about them. You know what? Like they, they clearly, they, here's the thing. 
see when we comment on wrestling like people like us people who have no in-ring experience when we commentate on wrestling and we we judge wrestlers in their careers i was thinking when we were talking about kozlov and stuff you know we will talk about who was a good or successful wrestler and who wasn't but the thing is like if you've got to the point where you're able to perform at a show where people have paid to see you then you're a successful wrestler and you're more successful than i would ever be in wrestling so if you've you know performed at mogai town hall you know in front of 25 people then that's a success in my books um, so those guys are hugely successful in wrestling and uh, no, whether or not they ever do a WWE run, which I kind of don't want them to now, you know, now I don't that, think they will. Yeah. You know, I don't think they need to anymore. Um, you know, they, uh, so my, the point I'm making is that they have every right to be egomaniacs and to be really um, precious at these sorts of meet and greets to not interact much and to kind of be like the way Flair was when you met Ric Flair. Yeah, I mean, they, they, in my mind, they, they are justified in being like that. Whether or not that's the right thing to do is another argument. But they could do, but they don't. And that was only two yeah. years ago. And I imagine if you met them tomorrow, they would be exactly the same. Absolutely. Except at a two-meter distance. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And they have always, you know, the longest lines. And they know they're the, the reason so many people are there to see them and stuff. And I'm, I'm standing there with my Bullet Club t-shirt on, like, like, usually the reason why I like the Bullet Club and stuff, and, like, I'm just a fanboy, yeah. you know? So I'm telling them all this story about how I went to college and I stopped doing the YouTube channel, but now I'm back and we're doing good. And there's just, like, this awkward silence. And if you watch the video, it's literally, like, 1.2 seconds. But standing yeah. there, looking at, the, like, Matt and Nick, who have no idea what to say to the fact I've told them I went to drama school, uh, yeah. felt like a good six minutes or something. But it's literally just a second. And Matt just goes... Yeah. Well, you got it, man. Come in, we'll take a picture. And I, and I walk in between the both of them, and I, I wish they did the two sweet, but obviously they couldn't for legal reasons. Um, so they just do the kind of generic kind of wrestler pose, you know. Um, and we take this brilliant picture, and I'm just like, oh, thanks so much, shake their hands again and stuff. And it's just it just shows you what a difference it makes when it's just a brilliant, you know, experience. They're overly friendly. It's a bit like when you were talking about meeting John Cena last week, how you yeah. were so nervous that you didn't even know, you didn't even know how to formulate a sentence. But the fact that Cena. Yeah took your hand and kind of went it's all right like it's it's fine made it yeah. a more meaningful experience for you you know it makes yeah, such a absolutely. difference and um, just in being overly nice and stuff so i was just beaming man i'm actually beaming now thinking about it and i was just like i had such a great experience and i think i took out my camera again and i kind of filmed them from like a vlog sort of way like on the selfie camera and i was like i'm yeah. just here with my mates nick and matt and uh no like, just, did you really no no not in front of them i just i mean like yeah after I'd left the table and I'm just kind of like, and I'm from a distance and I was like making a joke that I'd just met them and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The picture's great. It's been my Twitter picture for two years now. I really need to get a new one. Um, but it's a yeah, class it's, picture. It's really good. It's such a, it's such a um, nice picture and it was such a nice memory. Um, and I just went into the show, but I just my one regret to this day is that I should have gone up. I don't know if it was because it was a money thing or whatever, but I should have bought one to meet Cody. I can't believe yeah. I never met Cody. He was right there in his big yeah. suit and he had the title, I believe. And like, oh, he was right there. Like, I could have met Cody Rhodes and had a pitch with Cody and Brandy, but I just know I don't know why I never done it. Um, but yeah, it's just such such a brilliant experience. And we went into the show. The show was a lot of fun. Joe Hendry actually was on a show. It was his ROH tryout, and uh, oh, he he wrestled Silas Young, um, and it was for the TV title or something. I don't know. And um, it was actually really good. It looked as if Joe was going to win the title, which obviously it wasn't. But because it was Scotland, and you know, it was like the sentimental, homegrown favorite thing. It was a, a good atmosphere with the crowd and stuff. 
Um, and it was such a good experience, such a good buzz at the show, being at, like an American independent show. The main event was uh, Cody Rhodes and Hangman Page versus the Briscoes for the ROH tag titles. And cool. it was uh, really cool hearing the original Bullet Club theme song as Hangman came out. I got to hear that live, which was really cool for me. And of course, Cody's right. theme song, which is the best theme song in the business, got to hear that live, um, which is really nice. cool. And the show was great. You know, Tanahashi was on the show, as I say, and Damien Priest was on the show. He, he wrestled Kenny King. Um, and that reminds me of another quick wee anecdote. At the interval, uh, me and Francis went out to the foyer bit to get a drink. And I went to the toilet. And uh, he just, Francis stood there and he bought an iron brew from the, the bar. And he's just standing there drinking the iron brew. And Kenny King walks out of the toilet, one of the, the wrestlers <laughs> who, just, who just wrestled Punishment Martinez, or as he's now known as yeah. Damien Priest. And uh, Kenny King says to Francis, hey, where's the bar? And Francis <laughs> like, uh, just there. And he's obviously holding his drink. And Kenny King's like, what are you drinking? And my mate's like, uh, iron brew? <laughs> And Kenny King's like, Iron Brew, man, Iron Brew. I'm I'm definitely gonna get one of those. What <laughs> <laughs> an Iron Brew. Oh, that's fantastic. I love those weird interactions that you get at a show with a wrestler. Like that's something like I'll in a few weeks' time I'll tell about maybe the story about meeting uh, uh Eric and Ivar, uh oh, yes. Viking Raiders. Uh at the bar at the Barrowlands. They were just that's there, right. like the flogging merch and stuff. That's uh, right, yeah. And, that's a really funny story. So, uh, but yeah, I love those stories. Um, that's this is just, it was really. You said that you were beaming talking about meeting the Bucks. Um, would I sit to you know do my bit of this podcast? There's a mirror to my left, and as you were talking and telling me about meeting the Bucks, I turned around and I caught myself in the mirror, and I didn't realize that I was smiling from ear to ear until I saw myself in the mirror. Oh, uh, that's good. So you know, dude, that was a lovely story, and that that picture really shows that they they're making a real effort. Um, so yeah, I have nothing but respect for the unboxing. Like I am there, you know, as soon as AEW are able to run a show here. Yeah. And similarly, you know, before before the pandemic, inside the ropes were going to run a Kenny Omega yep. show. Um, and you had texted me saying, "Are you up for it?" And I said, "No," because I'm not hugely a fan and i don't really watch aw but now i do so when they reschedule that show if i can get myself a vip ticket i i am i'm telling you mate i don't know if you had a ticket for that or not but i was i'm going to be there i, I didn't have vip i just had general admission but like thinking back now and since we started this podcast you know i kind of want more experiences you know to talk about yeah um, I feel like I feel like that's going to be our thing, you know, when normality regimes and when live shows can happen, is that we're going to probably try and have as much live experiences as we can, not just so we can talk about them, but because like doing this has kind of made me more wrestling fan than I already was, which yeah. is saying something. Yeah, it's uh, just such a good experience. It's definitely one of my favorite experiences. Definitely like top three best experiences with a wrestler because it was so like there was no awkwardness other than that one second of after me telling them <laughs> my life story, you know. Um, yeah. So I'd put I'd put the box up there with Piper, and um, I guess maybe Sheamus. Or I I don't know in terms of like best or friendliest wrestlers I've met, but definitely up there. Uh, in the video I've got of uh, the box entrance in the show, Matt stands on the top rope and just screams, "What's up, Edinburgh? <laughs> Edinburgh? Love it, love it." So I'll uh, I'll send oh, you the man. video. I'll send you the video. I'll let you see the. I'll I'll, de- I'll debate whether to post on social media, but I feel like I need to know, but. Um, you you absolutely have to. You can't tease us like this. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. Oh well, but there you go. Listen, friend, I'll, 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 
I'll cut that down because it went on for about half an hour. But I'll um, I'll, oh, I'll you, cut that. You do story not need down. to. That was that was a great. That was great. I think you need to have it as it was because it was a great story, well beautifully told, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I enjoyed it. If I enjoyed it, damn it. No, the only thing you've kept me from is relieving my bladder again, which I'm about to, you know, <laughs> do with passion. Uh, God, but, you need listen, pee mate, so many times. <laughs> dude, it's, I've got a serious problem. It's like, it's not even funny. Like, <laughs> I, and I built up good bladder tolerance as a teacher because yeah. you can't just walk out in a classroom, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And I feel like I need to train, retrain my bladder now that I've been out of school for like X amount of months. Uh, but yeah, like uh, that. No, that was a great story, and you should you should put it in in its whole form on the pod. Okay. And uh, I'm looking forward to to next week. Um, any 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 last words, Chris? That isn't a threat. No, no last words. Just uh, a, a wishful, a well wish to all the audience, and uh, hope everyone's doing all right and keeping safe, and people's families are doing good, and we're spending some time with the families whilst they still can before normality really kicks in. Um, and please remember to not hesitate to get in touch if you're going to ask us some questions, get some topics on the go. Glenn and I will answer them in due time. And you can get us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at WrestleConnect1 and Instagram is at WrestleConnection. Please get us on there, give us a follow and please subscribe to us on YouTube. YouTube, just search the Wrestling Connection podcast on there and uh, you'll see all these individual excerpts from the show. Might get some exclusives on there, who knows? Someday down the line, but we need to build up some subscribers on YouTube. So until sure. next time, ladies and gents, any last words from you, Glentifer? Just uh, look out for each other, folks. Take care, be kind, and we'll catch you next week. Yeah, bring your Войну я скала, которую ты